Welcome to the Reaching the World Bible Church podcast. This is Pastor Henry and Ella Looney. Our prayer is that you enjoy the word for today. Well, communion means so much. And I'll say this first. For a lot of Christians, communion has become almost just a ritual that people do in church. Do, do you know anything can become just ritualistic? When I say ritualistic, what do, what do I mean by that? You can do something and it can lose its meaning. Or you can not understand the purpose. Communion, or what we call the Lord's Supper, or the Lord's Table, should never lose its meaning for us as believers, as Christians, because it's so important. And when we talk about the elements, what we partake of, the juice, the wafer, which represents the body, or, uh, or the bread, or what as we told our, our e-church, whether you're using bread, crackers, whatever it is, that is a type of the body of Christ. It represents his body. The juice represents his shed blood. Well, Pastor, what are we talking about today specifically? Well, we want to focus in on one of the elements a little bit more today than we normally do. And it's important, and you'll see the reason why in just a moment. Well, what did you entitle the message today? Well, we entitled the message today, The Bread of Life. The Bread of Life. And when we say bread... Uh, that is, in our country, that is probably the staple of what we eat. Now, in other countries, you have other items, like in some countries, I can think about some uh, uh, Asian countries, rice is more of the staple. But for us in America, bread is the staple. When I say staple, that when we think of food, you know, you almost... You, you almost don't go to your table and eat without having some type of bread. For some people, if they don't have bread, they don't think they've had dinner. Amen. You got, you got to have some kind of, you got to at least have some toast, preacher, a roll or something. Amen. And, but that just shows us the importance of bread. But the ordinance, and communion is an ordinance in the Bible, is something most Christians celebrate only in a church service. And that is important. And we do it every first Sunday here at Reaching World Bible Church. And as I said, we, we not only call communion, uh, communion, we call it the Lord's Supper. We call it the going to the Lord's table. And on the Lord's table, there are two main elements, and we already referenced them. One is the juice which represents the shed blood. But the other is the bread or the wafer or the cracker. And it represents the body of Christ. But most of the time, our emphasis, when we think about communion, we think mostly about the blood. And thank God the blood was shed so that our sins were remitted. And it is essential and it is vital. But just as important, the bread is. Why? Because in our sermon outline, our focus on this message, I want you to 
maybe give this message, this word from God, an opportunity to retrain our thinking a little bit about both emblems, but especially about the bread. We said in the sermon highlight, Jesus declares that the bread represented his body, which was broken for us. But both the bread and the cup represents the same person, Christ Jesus, our Lord. One is just as important as the other. And it is essential for those of us that are believers when we come to the communion table, when we partake of these elements. And I've told you in times past, Sister Ella and I, we make it a habit, a daily, and we try to do it once every day or once every weekday of the, the week to have our communion. Pastor, can you have communion every day? Yes. He didn't say how many times. He said as often as we do it. We do it in remembrance of him. And some folks have limited their uh, participation in uh, the communion with just in a church service. But I believe we need to expand our understanding. As we, as we said, this is an ordinance given to us in the word. The cup represents the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for the remission of our sin. And the bread represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us. One of the areas of scripture that we read, and we'll do it again today at the end of this message, when we, it's, it's not mandatory that you do it, but most churches share in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 talking about the communion. And we're going to come from that chapter in just a, uh, just a, a little pre-understanding here. In 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 23, and we, I'm going to read it from the, the NIV, the New International Version, whatever translation you had will be perfectly proper. But I want you to look at how, how bread is referenced in these uh, four verses here. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, Start at verse 23. For I have received of the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So these elements have purpose. These elements are for us to remember. It's an ordinance. An ordinance is a responsibility that we have. As a Christian, it is needful for us to partake of the elements. Sister Ellen and I, when we partake of it, uh, we 
make sure our mind is focused on what we're doing. We tend to cut off any outside sources like a television or anything like that, and we focus. And you know, I encourage you in our church not to even allow our children to get up and be moving around when we're partaking of the elements because we should respect and we should honor this ordinance that God gives because of what it represents. In the passage that, that we just read, we said in, in our highlight that Jesus himself declared that the bread represented his body, which was broken for us. But often during communion service, the bread sort of takes a back seat to the, to the juice. And again, I think it's more in our thinking that it does that. We focus on the blood and the remission of sins. And rightly so. I mean, no, thank God our sins have been remitted. Jesus paid the price. When we say remitted, what do you mean? Jesus paid the price. So that we could have life and life more abundantly. Every sin, all sin that ever was created from the first Adam to the last sin that will ever be committed before Jesus come back was paid for on the cross. Pastor, you mean sins in the future were paid for? Yes, on the cross. Why is that possible? See, a lot of times we, we don't really think things out the way we should. How many realize 2,000 years ago, we were, we were in the future. And so if all our sins were, commit, were, were, were remitted, they were done, done 2,000 years ago, and they were future. Remember, God is in all time, all at the same time. He's in the past. He exists in the past, he exists in the present, and he exists in the future. We exist only in the present. We think about the past, and we can learn from it. We ought to pray and prepare for the future, but we aren't there yet. God's in all of them. That's the reason, I think I said this last week in, in, in another message, that that's the reason God knows the end of things before the beginning ever starts. He's already there. I won't let that sit in your mind just a minute. If you think about that hard, it'll make your head hurt a little bit. What do you mean? How is he already there? Because he's God. He exists in all time frames. There's nothing new to him. I say this sometimes too, and it and cause because I, I want us to think. And sometimes when you first say this, people think, well, what do you mean? God never has a new thought. Why? He already had them all. You think about that too, that'll bother you a little bit. Because we're finite. We have limitations in this realm. God's infinite. He's everywhere at the same time. He's unlimited. And thank God, the more we get to know him, the more we get to understand these elements and what they represent. And today, we're focusing in on the bread. We focus, as we said, most people focus on the blood. 
But the salvation Jesus provided contained both the bread and the cup, both his body and his blood. Both the bread, as we said in the highlight, and the cup represents the same thing, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now I want to talk about Christ, the bread of life. We entitled this message today, The Bread of Life. And so we're focusing in on Jesus. You see, in the Bible, in the Bible, bread is used in several different ways. You'll hear bread and you'll hear it referred to. And I'm going to look at five different ways that bread is used. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the first four, maybe a little bit on more on one of them. But on the last one, I'm going to spend more time on in this message today, in this word today. Bread is used several different ways by God in the word. Number one, what is it? How is it used? Natural bread. And we kind of referenced that already. Natural bread is mentioned. The bread is, is the natural food we eat for the nourishment of our body. How many of y'all had breakfast this morning? Amen. Okay, put your hand. How many of y'all did not have breakfast? You're hungry, aren't you? You're saying, Pastor, don't be long today. Amen, because I need to get me some bread. That's natural bread you're looking for. Now, you came to the right place to get some bread, and you're getting some right now, and we'll talk about that. But we all need natural bread to nourish our bodies. We see in Matthew 6, verse 11, Matthew 6, verse 11, and we're very familiar with this passage, is referring to the natural food when it comes. When he said, give us this day our daily bread. You know, we call that the Lord's Prayer. That's part of what we, our daily bread. It's talking about our natural bread. But many times when the word uses the word bread in regard to natural bread for eating, it is simply talking about food in general. When you hear the Bible talk about bread, that may include, when it's talking about natural bread, that may include bread, loaf bread, rolls, but it's not limited only to the bread. It's talking about all food. God intended that we eat natural food on a daily basis to sustain our physical life. You know, if you stop eating, if you stop eating long enough, you die. Amen. Not me. And there, there are people all over the world that, that are suffering malnutrition because they're not eating. Now, most folks in our nation, we don't know anything about uh, missing meals or, 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 you know, malnutrition. There's some folks that do, that don't, that, uh, but that's very limited. Not in this country. We have an abundance of food. Matter of fact, most of us, instead of on that end, we're on the other end of eating. We're eating too much of that natural food. Look at the neighbor and say, I hope he's not talking about you right now. Now, we're talking about bread. We want you to be spiritual, but, but nat there's a natural side to bread, too, as well. And I want you to understand. So partaking of communion table is a necessary part of our Christian life. And it's something that we should treat with high respect and reverence. We talked about that. 
And uh, we understand that that bread, that wafer, uh, you can't just eat that and think that's going to be sustenance for you physically uh, as well as, but it, it, but it is a, a spiritual understanding. So we see that natural bread is mentioned. Number two, the second type of bread that's mentioned in the Bible, we, I'm referring to it as miraculous bread. Miraculous bread. When I say miraculous, I'm talking about miracle bread. That was, I think, one of the bread called itself miracle, a miracle bread, you know, for that in, the, in their commercial. Even though this was also a natural bread for this miracle bread that we're talking about for our physical sustenance, this bread was God's supernatural supply from heaven. We're going to look at two examples of that, this miraculous bread. One, we, when we reference in Exodus from Egypt, the, Is, the Israelites found themselves in the desert without food. God miraculously met their need by giving them thin flakes uh, like frost on the ground. They called it, when you go back and you read that full chapter of Exodus 16, and we're going to look at Exodus 16, verse 14, they called it manna, manna from heaven. It was supernatural bread that God produced for them, not only produced, but he produced meat too as well. The pigeons that he brought down, and they every day, and they, when you read that chapter, it talks about they were supposed to get, have that supply for that day, just for one day that they needed. And that uh, when you look at uh, Exodus 16, verse 14, it says this, and when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing as small as the hoar frost of the ground. But God miraculously supplied natural bread for the natural to eat, for the Israelites to eat. And for us. But there was another instance of this miraculous bread, too. It's found in Matthew chapter 14. Here, Jesus fed the multitude supernaturally using natural food with only five loaves. And we think about the loaves, we think about a loaf of bread. That, those, the, those loaves they had were small loaves of bread. They were more like a big, well... It was bigger than a biscuit, but it was it was more like like a six, uh, a five or four inch loaf. And you go back and you study and you see what kind of loaves they were talking about. But it was he fed them with only five loaves of bread and two fishes. Jesus fed more than five thousand people. We don't know exactly how many people he fed. We know it was more. It was at least 5,000, and you'll see this when we read. Where? In Matthew 14, verse 19, it says this, And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the, the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. Notice Jesus broke them. He prayed. He broke the loaves. He gave it to his disciples, and the disciples gave the bread to the people. 
all these breads that I'm looking at are types of the last bread that we're going to look at, which is Jesus. Jesus gave those, he broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples to give out to the people. He's still doing that today. Jesus breaks the bread, the bread of life, the word. And he's given the fivefold ministry gifts to pass it out to the people. I'm doing that right now. That's a type. Then he gave them to the disciples, as I said, and they gave them to the people. Verse 20 says, they all ate and were satisfied. Look at his neighbor and said, they got satisfied. They weren't hungry anymore. Some of y'all that missed breakfast this morning, you're still, you're praying hard right now. Preacher, preach a good word, but make it quick and snappy. Because you're not satisfied. These folks that ate the bread and the fish that Jesus broke and the disciples gave out, they got satisfied. What do you mean? They got full. How many like to be full after you eat? Amen. Uh, let me tell you something just for your health reasons. Now, scientists say that we're full 20 minutes before our stomach lets our brain know that we are. So most, most of us eat 20 minutes longer than we should. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, yeah, he's talking about all of us right now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, we do. It's just the truth. We don't like to think about it because most times, that's really <laughs> what sometimes you get, you get up and you have to push back from the table and Say, so, oh my, what have I done? <laughs> you know, what is that? That's when you overdone it. But some of us have learned, you know, not to do that. But I mean, no, we're still, we're working progress, process. Look at names, repeat after me. I thank God. God's still working on me, but I'm still in process. Amen. Let me finish this verse here. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. God is a God of more than enough. Notice what verse 21 says. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, beside the women and children. At that time, you know, writers and even, you know, women and children weren't counting. But there were 5,000 men that ate. And you got to know, anytime there are 5,000 men in the place, there were at least 5,000 women. There probably was 10,000. Because a lot of them were looking for somebody. And then you had children, too. So you're talking, you're talking at least with 15,000 that were fed. This was a miraculous. It was a natural bread, but it was miraculous because it did something super. Normally, you can't take that amount of food and feed even 1,000, much less five to 15,000. But this happened. Number three, let me hurry up because I want to get to the last one here. The, the third uh, bread that we want to look at in the Word is mentioned in the Bible is the unleavened bread. Unleavened bread was used for the Passover meal. The Passover meal, we see Passover. That was what Jesus and the disciples were sitting down before he went to the cross, and they were having the Passover meal. And, and when you see pictures depicted of the Passover meal, they, that's not how it was. 
you know, everything we see that's been drawn or written about Jesus, even when we see the face of Jesus, that's not how the Bible described him as looking. And that's not how they sit down at a table and do it. They sit down on, on pallets and, and things like that. And they part. It was a different scene totally than what we see on most of our Lord's Supper uh, pictures. And don't go home and throw away your Lord's Supper picture. I'm not telling you to do that. Amen. And then don't, don't, don't stone me because I, wait a minute, I know that's how the Lord's Supper was. I got the picture. Well, uh, that author did, that took that, that drew that, he wasn't there. Amen. And you find out by studying the word and getting in the word and seeing that. A lot of things, you know, we take as biblical truths that what people drew or said, and they aren't. But we need to study to show ourselves approved so we can rightly divide the word of truth. Amen? But unleavened bread, we see in Exodus 12, verse 17, and ye shall observe the feast of the unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day even I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt, therefore shall you observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. So this Passover meal was uh, an ordinance too as well. The celebration of eating the unleavened bread and, and observing the Passover was a type, a shadow of that which was to come. Jesus. And God delivered Israel from Egypt at the hand of Moses, so God delivered us from slavery to sin through Jesus Christ. Again, a type and a shadow. Bread represents. God commanded Israel to remember their deliverance by observing the feast of the unleavened bread. And he has commanded us to remember our deliverance by partaking of communion. That's unleavened bread. We could talk about it a lot, lot more, but that's a different teaching. Number four, the fourth type of bread mentioned in the word God of God is showbread. Showbread. The showbread was holy and kept in the tabernacle for the priests to use in their offerings to the Lord. We see in Leviticus 24, verse 8. Leviticus 24, verse 8, it referenced showbread. The, this bread in verse 8 of Leviticus, and this is the NIV, says this. This bread is to be set out before the Lord regularly, Sabbath after Sabbath, on behalf of of the Israelites as a lasting covenant. It was part of their covenant relationship meal, just like the elements that we partake of is part of our covenant. It's, we call that our covenant meal. This bread, this, this showbread, is to, uh, again, is set out to continue the covenant relationship of that time. On the Lord's table, we have emblems that represent another lasting covenant, the covenant God established with Jesus Christ, the covenant for all who accepted Jesus as their Savior. Now, the fifth type. What's that, preacher? The focus of this message, the living bread, the living bread. And when we say the living bread, we're talking about 
Jesus. Many times throughout the New Testament, Jesus declared himself to be the living bread. Or he called himself the bread of life. How many read that before? Let's look at a few examples in, in one chapter. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse 35. And again, I'm looking at the NIV. It says this. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is declaring he's the staple of life, of our being, of our existence. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? He said, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. He wasn't talking about natural hunger here. He was talking about a spiritual hunger that every man has, every woman has. And he said, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There's a thirst that every human being has that only Jesus can satisfy. I can remember it. I, think, I guess I thought about it immediately. I remember us playing basketball and, and playing games and stuff. We was up to, up to my Aunt Rosie's, uh, uh, Vanessa's grandmother, and, and uh, we, we would pl be playing, me and my cousin Mike, we'd be running around playing, doing all, all kinds of stuff, and, and, and we would get tired, we would get hot and sweaty, and they had uh, a well that had a, a bucket and a, and that was on a rope. I know, I know the kids, the young folks, they said, what, y'all had what, a, a well, a, bu a bucket? that you actually lowered the uh, bucket down into the well. And Uncle Fess's well, man, that was the best water that I'd ever tasted. And, and you, you lower, we'd pull it up, and, and we would just, we'd be so hot and thirsty. And I can remember just taking that bucket and just, just had a bucket and just pulling it up. And you're talking about cold. It was ice cold coming out of the well. And you're talking about good. Not like water coming out of the faucet that we get today, but this was some good water. And you talking about thirst quenching? <sighs> we, I would drink so much of it, you'd be so tired that, that you'd have to roll yourself over someplace to sit because your stomach would be full of water. But it was satisfying. Jesus said when we, that we would never thirst when we drink of him. We would never hunger when we tasted of him. In, in that same John's gospel, chapter 6, verse 48, he said this, I am the bread of life. Again, he's letting us know who he is. He's the staple of any Christian believer's life. We need to get to know him. If we're going to be satisfied, we got to know the bread of life. And then verse 51 of that same chapter says this, Jesus said, I am the living bread. He's alive. That came down from heaven. He came from heaven. He was there from the very pre-existence of all things. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. We partake of this living bread. We will never die spiritually. 
This bread is my flesh, flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And he did. He gave his life so that you and I and anyone that will receive him. That's the reason it's so important, y'all. That's the reason I'm taking this time to talk about the bread of life. We need to understand and respect these elements, what they represent. They represent his shed blood that washed and cleansed us of all sins. But his body, his broken body, is represented by that wafer that when we partake of it, it's life, everlasting life to us. It's healing. It's deliverance. It's empowerment. It's an ordinance that he told us to do it. And when we, were, when we do it, we should remember the price that he paid. He gave his life. They didn't take his life. They tried to kill him over and over again. They couldn't. He walked right through them. We should respect and honor the fact that when the father said, who will go? No one else could go. Because no one else could be the ultimate sacrifice but him. Jesus said, I'll go. And one of the things I learned in Bible school that changed my even thinking, Jesus, when he volunteered, he changed himself for eternity. What do you mean? I remember sitting in class and Cooper Beatty was, t- Cooper Beatty was teaching us that he's going to be with the Lord now. He was teaching. He said, Jesus gave up some things that he'll never get back. When he was born onto this earth, into this earth, he was born with, into a human body. Before, he was just like God the Father. Spirit. Just like the Holy Ghost. Spirit. He'll never be that again. Because he became man. So that we could identify with him. He gave up aspects of himself for eternity so we could relate to him. When I understood that, and it's so much more than that, just due to time shake, I can't go and teach the in-depth. I'll go, go through it at some, some other time. But there were some things, even in his relationship with the Father, that changed totally. But he did because he loved us. The bread represents the Lord. This bread of life, our Savior, our Lord, he gave himself so that we could have life and life eternal. Jesus came to the earth and announced he was the living bread. Through Jesus Christ, Christ, a whole new dimension of living has been made available to us. And the sad fact is so many in the world don't know that. It's it's sad to know that some Christians have not come to a, a deeper understanding that there's so much more that we can have, that we can live. Y'all, we're living beneath our privilege. Healing is is a privilege that we have. Deliverance is a privilege that we have. I mean, 
supernatural empowerment, the gifts of the Spirit that God can lead and guide us into all truth is a privilege, that we can have a lot more and walk in a lot more than we are. But we got to realize it's ours. When we accept Jesus Christ into our heart and life, partaken by faith in his broken body, in his shed blood, we walk in that new dimension of life. Natural bread is earthly, but supernatural bread is heavenly. You partake of a heavenly bread when we partake of Jesus. Natural bread is corruptible, but spiritual bread is incorruptible. It can't be defiled. Natural bread is limited, but spiritual bread is unlimited. Natural bread feeds the body. Spiritual bread feeds the spirit. We realize that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. It's very important that we recognize the cup and the blood and what it, what it represents. But I submit to you today in this message that we have haven't given the true understanding and recognition that needs to be about the bread. It represents the living bread who walked upon the earth and was sacrificed for our wholeness and our soundness of body. The bread represents our Lord. He walked this earth in a physical body. He taught along the seashore. He sailed on the Sea of Galilee. He went about doing good. And the Bible says, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. God didn't put any sickness on anybody to teach him anything. He doesn't use the devil's tools. Acts 10 verse 38 says this. I'm coming to a conclusion. And then we're going to partake of these elements that we've talked about. Acts 10, 38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And if you're in him, God is with you too as well. That body was beaten with 39 stripes, historians said. And 1 Peter 2.24 says this, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, the cross, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, right standing, right relationship, by whose stripes ye, you and I, were healed. Healing was just as much a part of the communion supper as the forgiveness of our sins. Healing, when you partake of these elements, one of the greatest opportunities you have is to by faith, believe, receive, claim your healing from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Speak to every cell, every system, every organ, every level. That's the reason I pray it and say it that way, because I do it. You have to do it for yourself. You have to speak to your body. If there's an enemy attack of the enemy's devices, dis 
ease that is trying to attack you. Speak to that dis-ease. Speak to it and say, you got to go. Because of the bread of life, we've partaken of him. And healing is ours. Healing is part of the children's bread. Are you a child of God? If you confess with your mouth and believe it in your heart that he paid the price, you're saved. You're a child of God. If you haven't, if you're in the house, if you're in the e-church, now's the time. The only prerequisite we have to partake of the elements that we're about to receive, I'm going to ask you at home to go ahead and get your elements, is for us to be born again, have made Jesus the Lord of our life. And it's so simple and so easy that it takes some theologian to confuse people about receiving Christ as your bread of life, your Savior. He said it's simple. All we need to do is to say this prayer. And I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this after me. If you have before, that's great. You'll just be reinstilling something and reminding yourself of something you've already done. But if you haven't, your life will change forever. And you'll never be the same again. As we pray this prayer, let's think about what these elements are. If you had not got your elements, go ahead and grab your elements uh, in the back of the room there and let's pray this prayer together. Please repeat after me. Father God, right now, I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart that you paid the price so that I could have life and life more abundantly. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of my sins. And cleansing me of all unrighteousness. I am saved. I receive you as my Savior. And I make you my Lord. Amen. You just prayed that prayer. You just started a brand new walk with God. We've got some materials we want to give you. And before we read in 1 Corinthians 11 in the King James, if you have just did that, we want you to let us know. On your screen uh, for our e-church and even for us in here, you're going to see three mini books. And there's a purpose and reason that we have these three mini books. They describe what it is to be saved, the new birth, what it is to know who you are in him, the in him book, and what, what it is to know about the language, the holy language, what tongues, why tongues. These three mini books, absolutely free. When, when you let us know that you, you prayed the prayer with us, we're going to give them to send, send them to you exactly free. And if you're at home, you can scan that QR code and it'll take you to a video where I explain that and talk about what it is to be saved and you fill out a form. And if you want to be a member of Reaching World Bible Church, the doors of the church are open because Jesus opened them 2,000 years ago and no man can shut them. So if you're out there and you want to be, if you're in the house today, if you're out there and you want to be a part of Reaching World Bible Church, just stand right where you are. And we want to recognize you and, and, and welcome you to the family. The first family that we want to be a part of is the family of God and the body of Christ. But you, everyone needs to be a part of the uh, own earth, earthly church family where you have people that you can fellowship of like precious faith. 
And so we welcome you to the family. Amen. If you're standing up right now, call us and let us know. And we thank God for you. And uh, we appreciate you. And again, we say welcome to the family. And I'm going to pray this prayer also.